0: Listen up, get ready, I'm not gonna take no more. There's a revolution, a revelation going on in my soul. Buckle up, get ready, we're not gonna sit
1: back. Hello and welcome all you friends, your neighbors, your family, you comrades, you citizens of the world. From Chicago, it's Michael James with another edition of the Live from the Heartland Show. This would be number one twenty-five via Zoom since the beginning of the pandemic. And today we have Three, uh, three good guests, and we're going to learn a lot of stuff about elections, et cetera. We're going to talk with Clem Balinoff of the Amalgamated Transit Workers Union about the elections. We're going to talk with Marilyn Katz about probably elections and more, and we're going to meet up with our old friend John Sinclair up there in Michigan and check in on how he's been doing. Okay i like to start off with some good things that uh, that we learned about this week. One of the good things I read this week, the two men who were convicted of kill- killing Malcolm X 50 years ago, they were exonerated. Not only were they exonerated, but the uh, money that was due them is going to go to either them or their family. One of them has passed on. Another good thing that happened this week was, uh, again, in my class, Activists and Activism, which I teach at DePaul. We had our friend Peter Kuttner come in, and I got to watch some films that I've seen before, but they're always really good. One of them is called Now We Live on Clifton, which really talks about urban renewal and poor people removal out of Lincoln Park back in the day by Loyola University. And we also saw Trick Bag, which is a movie I helped Peter make about rising up angry back in the day. They're both available, I think, through Cartempkin Films. You might be able to find them. Now I live on now. We live on Clifton and Trick Bag. Okay, around the world, the good news on uh, this I got from the New York Times is uh, Russia says it will rejoin the deal allowing Ukrainian grain shipments. This really eased the anxiety and the real challenges around food uncertainty particularly in Africa. Let's hope that uh, Moscow's suspended participation in the deal over last weekend has now changed, and the ships will be moving with lots of grain to feed the people. Also in Africa, I just learned from the New York Times that the ongoing combat in Ethiopia between the government and the rebels in the Tigray region, uh, they have agreed via negotiations through South Africa to a peace treaty. Uh, hopefully, this will end. It's been going on, off and on in different ways most of my lifetime. Another good thing that we just heard was that Elon Musk Twitter faces an exodus of advertisers and executives. I know he fired a lot of executives, but uh, clearly uh, there's some angst around h- him taking over Twitter, and uh, he's been firing a number of people. And let's hope that he has a number of challenges before him. I did ride in one of his cars and I was impressed, but that's the only thing I really liked about it. Okay, another good thing was uh, around voting. We're gonna hear a lot about voting today, but some of you will remember that souls to the polls, which was a a practice of uh, black churches in the South, encouraging people to vote and actually getting people to the polls. Uh, Georgia limited that in a number of ways, but apparently, They have figured out ways to get around it, and uh, that is uh, people are, the churches are on the move. Let's hope they turn on a lot of people. Also on the voting front, so some of you heard in the last few days that uh, a judge in Arizona allowed for these uh, kind of conservative groups to challenge people at the uh, ballot boxes, to take their picture, to walk around with guns. Well, I just read a report that a judge curbs actions of election monitoring monitoring group in Arizona. Maybe the election will get a little fairer there because there's a lot of challenges. In case any of you missed last week's show, uh, we had Katie Hogan on talking about voting. We had Larry Sufferton, who's been on the Cook County Board of Commissioners, talking about uh, his last days there and uh, some topics that were on the ballot around the Forest Preserve. And we also had Win Knoll of the Rockin' Souls on, and uh, it, it was a fun show. So you can get that at youtube.com slash heartlandmedia slash videos and look for number 124. Okay, some of the best news that we got this week was that Lula, Luis Ignacio de Silva, won in the race against the conservative right-winger Bolsonaro in Brazil. So Lula will again be the president of Brazil. There was some concern that uh, Bolsonaro was gonna challenge it, that he was gonna pull out the military, he was gonna really pull a Trump. And while he did not acknowledge his loss, he did agree through his uh, surrogates uh, to the transition. So two days after losing the Brazil election, he broke his silence. Uh, While he did not admit defeat, His administration signaled that the transfer of power would proceed. That's a good one. Okay. On the sports front, which we are putting toward the back of this newspaper, so to speak, but it's not quite at the end. On Tuesday night, the Bulls knocked off the Brooklyn Nets, who have a whole bunch of problems themselves. Get into that some other time. The Phillies also won, putting them up 2-1 to against the Astros. Uh, the Sox have a new manager. The Bears took a big loss. And close to home, I asked uh, Jim Canadal, the former track coach at Loyola and then at U. University of Illinois, Chicago, to talk a little bit about Loyola's victory. So Loyola cross-country, close to home. Their aggressive early race strategy on Saturday the 29th served them well all season. And the Loyola cross-country squads for both the men and the women now in the Atlantic Ten. Conference, both won in uh, near Richmond, Virginia, Mechanicsville. It's their initial foray into this new East Coast Conference. Uh, The women's squad was led by sophomore Nora Woland, who finished fifth. You know, this is a team event, so they actually won with the rest of their team by 54 points. And on the men's side, they won by 20 points. And let's see what I got on that. They were led by Chris Davinay and Ryan Martins, the pair crossing the line side-by-side side in first and second uh, at a time of 23:59. And Loyola put six runners in the top 17 and took the title over LaSalle. And in only his second season as the Loyola head coach, Gavin Kennedy, was selected by his peers as the men's and women's 2022 Atlantic 10 Cross-Country Coach of the Year. Congratulations. Okay, and on this day in history, which would be the 5th of November back in 1917, the October Revolution, officially known as the Great October Socialist Revolution under the Soviet Union, the Bolshevik Revolution was uh, 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 declared on that day. Some heavy stuff came down. And just to go out so you didn't think that the Supreme Court was getting any better, uh, Roberts, the chief justice, extended the freeze on the January 6th Housing Committee's attempt to obtain Trump's tax return. That's really disappointing. So we're going to—we did uh, have one in memoriam. Uh, there may be more later in the show. You never know how quickly these things happen. But Jerry Lee Lewis, who was— uh, Country singer, rock and roller, the killer. Uh, He passed away this year. And I unfortunately never got to saw him perform. I did go to Madison where he was supposed to play at an outdoor concert. It was uh, really a bust, the event. And he and Doc Watson did not perform, but I remember them leaving. Uh, Anyhow, I enjoyed his music and we're sorry he has passed away. We're going to take a little break and maybe hear a little Jerry Lee Lewis. And we'll be right back with our first guest. Clem Balinoff, the National Political Director of the Amalgamated Transit Union. Stay tuned to WLUW 887 or however you're getting this show. We're here on the left end of your dial and we'll be right back.
2: You shake my nerves
1: and you rattle my brain. Too much of love, drive a man insane. You broke my will, the blood of thrift. Grace is great, great balls of fire hey hey we're back we're back with more live from the heartland Thank you Jeremy Lewis for that little riff uh we're sorry about your passing uh, but we're real happy now to bring on our friend Clem Balinoff uh, many of you who listen to the show have heard him before with both his good and his not so good projections about elections Clem is the national political director of the amalgamated Transit Union uh once upon a time he served as a Democrat. Democratic member of the Illinois House of Representatives from 89 to 95, and now he is just beating the bushes for every vote he can get for the progressives around the country. Good morning to you, Clem Balinoff. Good morning there, Michael. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see you. Yeah. So now we got to do it. We're not on a Zoom anymore. It's been, oh, I saw you last yeah. week at Helen Schiller's thing. Yes, I'll i got pictures of you and Chewy whispering in each other's ear. <laughs> So we'll save that for later. (laughs) We certainly will. Something I really love to talk about right now. Well, that's good. I know I've been getting some uh, uh, emails from you with an article about a one-on-one race between Lori and Chewy, and we'll get to that toward the end of our interview. First of all, I'd like you to share a little bit of what you know about uh, the national elections and where we're at. We're getting fed a lot of uh, for a while, the Democrats were looking good. Now it's all kind of negative uh, and just on the edge of uh, disaster. Uh, where do you think we're really at? Well,
0: I, I'm one that does look at polls and and to some extent believes them. When I say that, I don't look at one poll necessarily and say, oh, that's what's going to happen. But when you take the average of polls, oftentimes, you know, I think it has some meaning. I think right now, um, really, all eyes are on, on Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. If we win Pennsylvania, the likelihood of, of controlling the, of the Senate is really um, pretty good because we may lose in Nevada. Um, you know, I don't know, but those are—it's very tight in, with incumbent Catherine um, Cortez Masto. Um, and you know, we're, we're hopeful in, in other states. I mean, Raphael Warnock—I mean, I hope he hangs on. We won't know about the result of Georgia, though. We'll know the result, but that's an election where you have to get 50% to win. If you don't it Goes to a runoff, and the runoff would be in December, similar to what we had a couple of years ago. When I, you know, as you know, I spent a couple of months down in um, Georgia helping elect um, us, uh, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, and so that one's probably going to go to a runoff because there's a third person, a libertarian, who's getting two three percent of the vote, and that may be just enough to turn it into, um, you know, to throw it into a runoff. Uh-huh. But you know, and some of the polling has Raphael Warnock a little bit behind, um, but because uh, a number of our Democratic candidates, if they've tightened up. You know, where, where Democrats had slight leads before, they're they're now pretty even in many cases, or just up a little bit here or there. I mean, I saw one this morning that um what's her name? Um Maggie Hassan, um up in uh, New that, Hampshire. New Hampshire, I'd say it New Hampshire right, um, is is dead even with her really, really extreme right-wing Trump um opponent. His name is Bolduck or something like that. Um, you know, so the things are tightening up. Yesterday in the Tribune, we saw that they said Sean Caston's race, there was a poll that came out that was a tie. In New York, um, it's it's uh, the uh, the Siena New York Times poll, and the Siena is a very well-rated polling company. They, from Nate Silver, get an A-plus rating, and there's very few that get that because of the accuracy. They have the race in New York State for governor as dead even a tie. They also said that in um, Michigan, it was a tie. So we really do have our work cut out for us. I mean, it's really it's a turnout election. Historically, Democrats have had better field games. Um, if that happens this time, we should be okay. But a lot of people are voting early, either by vote by mail or in, during early voting in these states. And one of the big hopes, I think, is that people will, you know, before the, this thing has started to shift a little bit towards the Republicans, maybe a lot of people have voted already. And so, you know, it's, 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 it'll be very difficult to tell. Um, am I optimistic? 538 this morning, they do what they call their election model. And they take 100 a, a different scenarios and things like that, and they say in 52 out of 100 of them, Republicans would win if it was held right now in, in those. Now, that doesn't mean it's, it's 52% of the time, but it means that there's, with the different scenarios, and they think it's about 80% or 80 out of 100 that they'll win the House. So, and, and either or both would be real disasters. I mean, if we lose the Senate, Michael, I think we've talked about this. What that really oh, does be rough the Supreme Court. No, I mean, to me, that's one thing. That is why we want to have a Democratic controlled Senate, because if anything happens to a justice in those two years, they will block it, they will stop it. And that's an outrage,
1: despite, you know, that's just what happens. So, well, Clem, let me ask you, what What do you think about the early voting? Because everywhere, uh, that everything I've heard has early voting is way up. And yeah. we'd like to think that that would uh, uh, tend to lean in favor of the Democrats. Is that a true thing? Well, I mean, it could be know. true. No,
0: I think we don't know yet. But one of the things about it is this. Why are there so many people, more people voting non-Election Day? What's happened is it's it's historically starting to trend up. Less and less people are voting on Election Day. So when they say, oh, it's the same as um, it's surpassing 2018, that means that the turnout's going to be up. I hope that's correct. But more likely, it's just some people that will not go to the polls on Election Day. They'll vote ahead of time. Um, it Because of all of the election deniers and things, you would think, and they are people being worried about vote by mail or being told they have to worry about vote by mail. or um, You would think that that would be better for Democrats. Um, but in some states, although they're, they're telling people how, how, how corrupt elections are, the Republicans, they're also encouraging them under, you know, in the next sense to make sure they vote, early or vote you know vote absentee. So, um,
1: you know, I don't know exactly what it means. Um, but... One good thing we saw today was that a judge uh, reversed that decision that allowed uh, the kind of paramilitary yeah. poll watchers in Arizona to hang around the ballot box and intimidate people. Yeah, you um, know yeah, that
0: that's reminiscent of things that the Republicans have done in the past. And then I'll tell you one story about Chicago. You know where they put um you know they 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 make people worry about immigration. and if you go to the vote, you know or whatever the the Negro might be there. Um, in Chicago, you will remember, because you're like, you know, old enough as I am to remember, they used to have police Push officers. Pushing
1: 81. What? Pushing 81. There you go.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm only 69, <laughs> but, but I'm getting there. Um, you know, but what they, and, he's, and Michael is in great shape, guys, for being 81. I mean, you know, this is incredible. As, as he said, I saw him a week ago. <laughs> um, no, but but they used to have police officers in polling places. And that intimidates it. When I worked for David Orr as the director of elections, I'll never forget, we went on to Harvey because the mayor was a guy named Nick Graves. And, they had, they, and he, ran the, he was a former cop, and he ran the police department. And there were police at, at every polling place. I mean, you know, and it just, some people were intimidated. You know, and that's one of the things like with these, these vigilantes around these, ballot, these uh, ballot collection boxes in Arizona, um, you know, that's just wrong. And it's just, you know, and it, all it can do is lead to trouble. There's no good reason for them to be there. There's just none. I mean
1: you're listening don't... to Live from the Heartland Show. I'm Michael James. I'm here with Clem Balinoff. We're talking about the coming election. Uh, Clem, let me ask you, uh, do you have a sense of uh, uh, what's going on in here in Illinois with the congressional elections? I know there's a, a couple new districts and <laughs> some new people running. What's your sense of it? I know you're working hard on it. Katie Hogan's working hard on it. A lot of people are out there. And try to shift things in a positive direction.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you what's interesting because if people have time in Illinois, there's there's three good congressional races. And if they have time and they live up by the Wisconsin border, they can always go up and help Mandela Barnes and Tony Evers in um you know in Wisconsin.
1: Like but, Obama has been doing. Yes,
0: no, that's right. And you know, and he's he's probably the best validator that the Democrats have. Yeah, he's and it's good. <laughs> good. It's good to see him out on the campaign trail. You know, you kind of scratch your head and wish he had been out there a month ago. But at any rate, it's um it's certainly nice to have him out there now.
1: I wish he could have run for president forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. You know, so um, I think a lot of people would have liked that, you know, because we, we saw what the result was, um, you know, uh, was after he left. It was Donald Trump. And good. Uh, yeah. He doesn't get a chance at all again. Um, but there were three of them that are particularly interesting. One of them is in the sixth congressional district. That's where Sean Caston is a Democrat. And that was a that looked like on paper a good rep, a good Democratic district. Yeah. And he, again, yesterday morning on the front page of the Tribune, it said it was that the race was tied. Now I I, I tell you, Sean is a, is a tremendous candidate. He's a hard worker. Um, he's raising enough. He's raising money certainly. Um, but if people can get out and knock on doors for him, that would help. Up in um the thirteenth district, which is in Sh- uh, Champaign and um Springfield and out out that way, I think all the way out to St. Louis maybe. Um, but it's it's a southern it's a, you know it's it's a it's a it's a downstate district. Nikki Budzinski, she was uh, that's a new district, right? Well, it's yeah, there there it's it's kind of a new district. Um, you know they're all kind of new, but that is one where it was drawn specifically for a Democrat. Um, and she, you know, by what I'm hearing, um, is doing you know, it's she's she's doing okay. But again, in this kind of year, you just don't know. And one that um everybody's concerned about is the 17th district. Now that was where Sherry Bustos was. Right. It's a little bit new. There's a a, a person. His name is Eric uh, Sorensen, former news weatherman in uh, Rockford area. I believe it was um, running a real hard campaign um, against and I I don't know the person's name, the person that ran against Sherry last time and came within, you know, a couple of percentage points of of winning. So there is reason to be concerned. Um, And I think it was who came out there. I I forgot it was, was one of these guys was out there yesterday. Maybe it was JB or you know somebody but you know but maybe it was but it could have been Biden but there's you know so we're 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 in Illinois remember the democrats do, drew the map so the hope is that we can win you know like certainly Sean should be a hold um and pick up the seat in in the in the Springfield area with Nikki Budzinski and you know she used to work for on um, both Joe Biden and JB Pritzker doing some labor liaison kind of things and then um up in um up in the, you know in the northwest area there if we can hold on, we pick that one up, you know, I guess it's not a pickup. But it depends on how you look at it, because we have one less congressional seat. Um, that would really be running the tables. And, you know, we'll come back maybe after this after election and we'll kind of have a recap, kind of lick some wounds, Um, you know, maybe be celebrating with a bottle of champagne. That would be my. Ready hope.
1: To, I'm still ready to celebrate. I'm not giving into this. Well, anyway. <laughs> we'll see. I, I want you to be right. And I you know,
0: and it doesn't make me work any less hard. One other thing, if people want to get involved. You know, all of these campaigns, you can make phone calls for them from home. They have virtual phone banks going almost, you know, for 10, 12 hours a day. So whether it's Nikki Budzinski, whether it's um, Sorensen, whether it's Sean Kasten, or if you have some time, you want to spend a few hours up in Wisconsin, they need people to knock on doors for Mandela Barnes and Tony Evers, or you can do virtual phone banks for any of the candidates around the country. I mean, if you like John Fetterman, get on the phone for him, help him out. And, you know,
1: Yeah, if you want to hook up with some of these, you can go to Hogan 70 K-A-T-Y, Hogan70, at Gmail, and um, she'll hook you up. Uh, Clem, we've got a tight schedule, so I'm going to ask a couple more questions here. Okay, let's Uh, shift to the mayoral, then. Let's shift to the mayoral, but before I do the mayoral, just a short uh, view from your perspective of why, given, I mean, I must watch the wrong news shows. I see the Republicans in disarray doing terrible things being caught with their fingers in the cookie jar all the time different ways why do you think so many people uh given the you know January 6 hearings so many people still support them
0: you know it's really beyond me I mean, I, it, it,
1: <laughs> all of the all of the reasons that people
0: vote for Donald Trump i still don't get it but there's some people that legitimately will believe anything and everything that he says and the republicans say i you know i i don't know i really don't know it just But certainly people out there that definitely believe, um, uh, you know, Republicans and Trump. Marilyn would be a good one to ask that question, too, because she's, you know, really (laughs) politically, you know, there's none better. And she understands, um, you know, the the intricacies of politics and electoral politics and getting people elected. So you're really fortunate to have her.
1: Uh, Let me uh, let's go to the mayoral election. I think there are about 25 declared candidates. There's a long list. There's a lot of possibilities. There's other people who are not going to run, but someone who's kind of in the wings and we think he is. You got the news. What's going to happen with Chewy? Well, you know,
0: I think that all signs point to the fact that he's going to be a candidate for mayor, you know, but certainly in the end, the decision is up to him. We had a poll, it was very, very encouraging. It shows that he is the only candidate for sure that can beat Laurie Lightfoot um when they look at and then they take the undecideds and you look at the positives and the, you know the favorables and unfavorables again she's her she's underwater by a minus 27 points that is really really bad it's going to be almost impossible for her to be able to pick up the undecideds and Chewy is at a plus 12 so we're very encouraged by that he filed a statement of economic interest um with the city of chicago something he hadn't filed before but he had to file once we started circulating um, with the board of ethics and that's another affirmative thing in the right direction and we have many many hundreds and hundreds of people legitimately out in the streets as we speak it's almost 70 degrees out here knocking on a few doors or collecting signatures at early voting sites or whatever um and it's going extremely well you know we have a, we start with probably the best volunteer base because of the campaign in 2015 and then his congressional race in 2018 so we and there's a website readyforchewy.com readyforchewy.com people should go there they can download a petition, they can sign up to help in the campaign, um, and we will contact you. But um, I think that all things are really um, pointing in the direction that he will be a candidate um, Some have speculated that um, he might be announcing next week and uh, a couple of reporters have suggested why not November 10th very historic date um, for chewie because it's the day that Harold Washington announced he was going to run for mayor 40 years ago, and all of us know that he was a part of that historic coalition from the beginning. And I think that's um and not only his relationship with the um the, the old Washington coalition, but also um the, the and the people in that coalition that were put together. So I think, you know, if he runs, um, we're gonna beat Lori Lightfoot.
1: Well, I gotta say I'm not looking forward to a black versus a Latino race, but uh that is the we like him, you know, I love yeah. Chewy. Uh there's things I like about the mayor too. Uh anyhow. Chewy well, is, uh, is a formidable dude, and, uh, you know, we could make arguments about why he should stay in Congress. Yeah. Uh, we can make arguments why he'd make a good mayor. So we're going to have you back on. Absolutely. And Chuy told me he'd come on, too. Yeah, I'm sure he will. There's no
0: question about that. One other quick thing, though, the, the, in, in terms of, of the, the kind of campaign that Chuy will run and put together will be a, a multiracial, multiethnic coalition. Right. And I think that's the important thing. He's a builder. He's a he's a he's something that somebody that builds consensus, listens to everybody's opinion. And those are sharp contrasts with the mayor. So I'll let you go. You can hear from Marilyn. Um, you know, you're, you're far better than me. And that's for sure.
1: Clem, Thanks. you're a hell of a guy. And uh, it's always good running into you. It's good talking to you. And we're going to both be following this stuff really closely and we'll be talking to each other. Well, so, uh, Thanks for coming on and get out there and do some more election work. I'm going to work hard for the next five days for, to help to try to elect the Democratic Congress and Senate. Right on. And everyone else listening or watching should be doing that, too. Yep. Okay. You're right. listening to the live from the Heartland Show. You may be watching it. Uh, we'll put you in at the end of the show all the different ways you can get it. I got a lot of people up here on the screen. Uh, we're going to bring on Marilyn Katz and them in. But first, we're going to take a short musical break, and we'll be right back with more Live from the Heartland. Hey, hey! Uh, welcome back to more Live from the Heartland for November 5th. And uh, now we're going to have Marilyn Katz, who is someone I go way back with uh, from the time she was still a student at Northwestern, and then we ended up working in Uptown together with JOIN. Uh, we, our paths cross often. I look to her as a great source of information and analysis, and hopefully we'll get some really good information out of her today. So good morning to you, Marilyn.
3: Good afternoon and morning to you, everybody. It's afternoon.
1: You're right. It is afternoon. When we're Not recording, the- we're recording on the second for the fifth. Great. So I asked you to come on because, uh, well, I heard that you had some friends uh, who had passed, and that uh, I heard that from Lynn Orman, and I don't have any detail at all. So how about filling us in?
3: Well, two of you know, our, we have lost a lot of our generation, but last week we lost two really ex- Exceedingly wonderful and in, influential folks. The first one was Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, who you might probably met. Yeah, he SDS. signed me up in SDS in the fall
1: yeah, that's of 1954.
3: It. So Mike was, um, I, I met him just a few years after I met you in 1968. Um, Mike was an SDS guy, working class kid out of California from Fontana, who became one of the most influential thinkers and writers in the movement. So he wrote, he, he gained fame when he wrote a book called City of Courts, which is a cultural, political history of real estate, film, politics and culture in LA, Los Angeles. And anybody who's interested in cities, history, politics, popular culture needs to read that book. But Michael also, Mike Davis, wrote eight other books among, well, he more, but he predicted the pandemic 20 years ago in Planet of Slums, so he really was of and commented on the urban experience, and And his latest book that he finished a few months ago was called Light the Night on Fire, about LA in the 70s, I mean, he's got a tome of work, that uh, a body of work that everybody should read. Anyway, one of my closest friends, and What really distinguishes Mike, for me, of all of us, is that not only did he never stop acting on the world, but he never stopped thinking and reexamining. And so, you know, many of us are not reflective and self-critical about what we believed at one time or another, don't like to change. Mike was always there. The other person who died this week, Mike had been sick for a long time, was Meredith Tapp. And Meredith and I, in 1978, started the Reproductive Rights National Network, which was um, probably the first national anti-racist socialist feminist group. So when we really talked about reproductive health, we didn't just talk about abortion. We talked about freedom from sterilization abuse, all the things that made it possible to have a child as well as. Terminated pregnancy, fair wages, good housing, clean air, clean water. Anyway, so and Meredith was also a prolific writer. Wrote a number of novels until the end. Um, she was involved. Marilyn, anyway, tell, <laughs> tell me her
1: name again, real slowly, because I had a hard time understanding it.
3: Meredith M E R E D I T H Tax. T-A-X. Oh, wow. and, you And know, there's a bio, biography of her in the nation this week. But um, she has two wonderful books that, that are really accessible. One's called Rillington Street and one's called Union Square. And they're about organizing in New York in the 20s, 30s, 40s. They're, really, they're wonderful novels.
1: Oh, I like to get these. I'm going to look into it. Me and a lot of people listening or watching are now going to get those novels.
3: Good. Carolyn Katz,
1: Good. let me ask you, uh, what's your take on the mood of the country? Um. I asked Clem Balinoff uh, why we, he thought with so much uh, news coming about Republicans doing the wrong thing, and uh, how come they still have as much support? And uh, he, he kind of deferred to you. He said... Be good to ask you that question. So, the way we're going to do it is uh, what do you think is the mood of the country and where are things at in the last week before the
3: election? Uh, well, I'm not, first of all, I refuse to read pundits. Um, it's really bad for your health and they're usually wrong. But there are people who I do respect who spent a lot of time in the hinterlands and people out there are scared. Um, They don't understand the future. They have a history. They always kind of, the country defaults to racism and fear, but the news media feeds that. And I think people feel isolated and alone, uncertain about the future, and don't see anybody really addressing their needs for security in their jobs, for having a sense of the future. And I think that's been true for almost a decade. That's the decade that Trump slid into and, you know, gave, gave them snack, snake oil. But I, so I think there's a combination of insecurity culturally, economically. Um, I mean, we have people, three people. Did you read the statistic? Three people in this country, wealth, I think it's Zuckerberg, Buffett, and one more, equals the wealth of 50% of the nation. What does that mean? I mean, what? it's it's mind-boggling. Secondly, um, I think that we see different realities. So we live in the city of um, kind of normal news. Most people live in Sinclair and Fox News and the local VFW newspaper. Not only do we disagree on the reality and how to deal with it, We see different realities. The reality you see of cities, I went to my eye doctor who lives in the suburbs and who works in the suburbs. He is afraid to come to Chicago. This is a sophisticated man. What he sees on the nightly news scares half out of him. And if you're living in Iowa, if you're living in um, Nebraska, you know, your, your view of the world is very different. So I think there's fear, and I think there's not enough attention. I'm counting on women and the Supreme Court's decision on abortion to really help us. But the issue of economic reality, I wrote an article a few years ago on um, the Oreo company moving to Mexico. Right, I remember. 250,000 people responded in one day. Not one Democrat. Responded to that boycott, but you know who did? Trump. So, I we have to remember that while we may worry about nomenclature and whether you're a they or a she or a he or whatever, most people in this country are worried about making their next meal, their next paycheck. So I think it's a very mixed bag. I would um, I would point you, and I'll if people want to see it, I'll share it. The memo that Linda Lake and Michael Lux did on um, what they call factory towns—what people outside of the big five or six metropolises are really experiencing their lives—quite different.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. If, um, yeah, it's hard for for me to figure out how people uh, think the way they do, but that would be a great skill if I could figure it.
3: Um, well, the other thing is Michael. There was a real screw-up. Say that again. When Barack ran, people organized, when Barack ran for president and won, people organized in groups, and they felt very empowered. Once they got into office, for whatever reason, the uh, political structure got destroyed, and people have experienced the ups and downs of the last decade alone. Very reactionary Makes people more conservative Not more bold
1: Yeah, I think too The national news Just kind of keeps feeding this A negative kind of a line All the time Right I really hate watching it Uh, But, you know It's going to be close On a lot of fronts Uh, You know, this election Is a week away from yesterday When we're recording today Is the the second or the fifth But it will be um, Only a few months Before we have Municipal elections Here in Chicago and uh, I just uh, got off the uh, uh, Zoom with uh, Clem Ballenoff, who, as you know, is very close to uh, to Chewy, and it looks like Chewy is going to run. Uh, what's your take on that, and what does that mean for Chicago?
3: So, I think Chicago really, in some ways, mirrors the country. There's a lot of discontentment um, in every segment, and I think, um, I think. The current mayor has been a disappointment to a lot of her original supporters. And the city, I think, reflects a sense of disunity so that you get the sense that you know, there are issues of, we've lost thousands of jobs. You drive down Michigan Avenue, and unlike New York and other cities, storefront after storefront, building after building is empty. And those jobs were not going to people living in Michigan Avenue. They're going to those jobs were in the neighborhoods, in the black neighborhoods, in the Hispanic and the white working class neighborhoods of the city. Thousands of jobs gone, gone, gone. And crime is really an issue. People are scared, Um, not, you know, it's just not, you know, Lori kind of blithely says, well, now you're seeing what the black community has always experienced. That is not, that is really not a helpful answer.
1: It may be true, um, but it's not the line we need.
3: Right. But it's also true that in order to really address the issues of um, violence, one, you have to model good behavior and how you deal with your um, with differences. And I have to say, um, the current political leadership in the city does not deal well with differences among them. And secondly, in order to really quell crime, you not only need enforcement; kids need a sense of opportunity. What's their future? And in the last year, we've had shrinkage, not growth, and um, and no enforcement. So I think the field is open. Now I would say, unlike when we did Harold's campaign, um, this is a moment where people really are not looking. You know, I did Harold's media and press. Um,
1: We're talking Harold Washington for you younger people here, who was the greatest mayor we ever had.
3: (laughs) And I think people are looking for unity and growth. They want things to calm down. And if you look at who's been elected, Eric Adams in New York, Karen Bass running um, in LA, the woman in San Francisco and Boston, people are looking for a unifier, calmness, more of a, a progressive centrist than a far leftist, and that's what's going to win the day. I think we need to really reunify the Hispanic, white, and black communities and not have a zero sum game. I think the last four years have felt like well, if this community gets that, you get nothing, and that does not we need to be one city without the contentiousness and without the blame game that's been going on. So I think there is an opening. I can't tell you who's going to win, but I can tell you that, you know, what the polls say is really true. It's going to be, people are ready for something new. Whether Lori can be new or whether it's going to be Chewy, we'll, we'll see, but there's a lot of openings. I, I think that in the end, there'll be eight candidates. So you want to know who I think will
1: be. Right now, there's about yeah. 25, I think. Okay, we'll, be... well, Marilyn Katz, this is good. You uh, you gave us a lot of food for thought. I like the notion of calming down in my older age. Um, obviously, we will have you back on the show at some point in the not-too-distant future because you're one of oh. our favorite people. Go ahead. Just and that there. One
3: more thing. Mark your calendars. January 14th, 25 women's groups we'll be hosting our mayoral candidate forum. And uh, we'll have all the candidates who are still in presenting to this coalition of 25 women's groups. So keep your eyes open for our announcements.
1: I'm going to look for that. And after the 14th comes the 15th, which is uh, Martin Luther King's birthday on the 16th. Exactly. And also Mike McGraw, the Piranha Brothers, on the 15th. I'm the 16th of January, and Muhammad Ali is the 17th. We'll have you back before then. Thanks so much. Everybody stay tuned here on the left end of your dial. We're going to be right back after a little music with the incomparable, the one, the only, John Sinclair out of Michigan. Be right back, live from the heartland. Hey, we're back. We're back with more Live from the Heartland. I'm Michael James, and I'm here with my uh, good friend, John Sinclair, who I first met in New York City way back in the day. Uh, it way back. It, uh, it was on the streets in New York City <laughs> where when I ran into you. You had a long black leather coat. You were running with the MC5 then, and it was just a short little exchange on the street. The last time I saw you, was when I was in Detroit following Twin Peaks, my one of my son's band, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you were there, uh, we hung out. And in between, you did a lot of stuff. You went to New Orleans, you were at the Heartland, at the Red Line, at the No Exit. Those are no longer, well, the No Exit's now called Le Piano. But anyhow, John, how are you? It's good to see you. I'm better than usual. That's good to hear. I've had about five years of bad health. I'm just getting better now. When we were setting this thing up, I noticed that you were uh, riding a bicycle. You're on that bike a lot. No, no, no. I have an imaginary bicycle. Just the pedals. Just the pedals. I do 1,500 repetitions every morning. Oh, that's good. No wonder you're looking so good. I'm 81 years old. How old are you? I'm about to be, I'll be 81 in January.
2: That's what I thought. And You? 81 now on October 2nd. Oh, uh, you're my elder. I like that. <laughs> you don't hey, have I- too many. <laughs> we don't have too many elders anymore. I know. It's uh... No one used to worship our elders and look up to them. I heard you talking about Harold Washington. <laughs> I felt the same way about
1: Coleman A. Young in
2: Detroit. He was our greatest mayor.
1: Well, we like them both. And it won't be too long till we we'll both meet them up in heaven. But... And they were both Democrats to the bone. And I'm trying to hang in until I hit hundred. so let's
2: you and I do that together. Me too, me too. I was going to say, last month I went to Lowell, Massachusetts for the Jack Kerouac 100th birthday celebration. How was that? It was fantastic, and I got to play with David
1: Amram, who's 92. Wow. He was on the piano. <laughs> so Lowell, Massachusetts was the site of some great strikes in the old days. Sure, yeah. The industrial workers of the world, I believe. Okay, John Sinclair, you uh, were commenting on uh, the mood of the country, a question I asked our first two guests. And uh, what do you think the mood of the country is? I think it's insanity. I
2: think they're nuts. My heart goes out, as I say to the poor white people of America, they got all the jobs, they got all the money. 1% of them own everything. And the other ones that don't have anything worship the 1%, they'll do anything for Donald Trump, who's one of the biggest geeks of all time in our country's history. You know, this all started with Ronald Reagan. Remember you were talking about the media? Yeah. Ronald Reagan, that punk? Well, he is the one who ended the ban on any one company owning more than seven media outlets in the country. Remember that before Ronald Reagan? You could only own seven, in seven different markets. You couldn't own two in the same market, TV or radio. Now they got places like these people that use my name, Sinclair Broadcasting. No relation. Right on. They are in communities where they own 18 radio stations. You can't get a word in other than theirs in the whole area. So that's what's wrong with this, because in these right-wingers, who do you think owns these radio stations? Rich people, white people, and they're using them against everybody else. You know, where are all the jobs going? They got all the jobs. What are they talking about? They haven't got any security. They got more money than crosses. Talk- you go to a football game and take their family cost class them $300. Yeah. Yeah, they're
1: pretty they got white. plenty money. You know, when I uh, talk you to don't people, want black people or Hispanic people to get any money, that's what they want. Uh, John, when I talk to people, a lot of times I say uh, uh, someday I hope that the white people in this country will, will be viewed as a minority that works for the good of the whole. And that the United States is viewed in the world community as a country that works for the good of the whole. Now, that's a long way off. That's a long way off. Good luck on that one. <laughs>
2: well, I can agree with the first part about white people becoming a minority. That's what they're afraid of. No, they, they are. Put these people up for so many centuries. The black people they bought them here since the 1600s. They treated owned them for 300 years. Now they don't even want to give them jobs or any. They don't want to give them anything. These white people, they don't want to give the colored people anything at all.
1: I hate it here. <laughs> well, you uh, you talked about radio stations, and you did mention that you have a station of your own, even though you're not like a Sinclair broadcasting system. No, oh, no, I got my own. I'm radio
2: am amsterdamorg I'm online.
1: Tell us a little bit about that, because we got the live from the Heartland show on YouTube.com slash Heartland slash videos.
2: Yeah, I love this. I follow you. <laughs> I get your announcements every week. I send them out regularly. <laughs> I like it. You do a hell of a job. <laughs> and I enjoy this because you and I, personally, as white people, have opposed racism for about 60 years. Yeah, we have. I know I have. I hate it. I hate what they're doing to this country now, and I'm, I'm, I'm pins and needles about this election. Because the media has got everything set up for the Republicans. They In Michigan, they're running a bunch of maniacs. They're running a bunch of people that should be in a stain of silence for governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general. They should all be in prison. They shouldn't be running through. They're awful. And yet these white people endorse all this. I don't get it. What's wrong with them? Are they that totally brainwashed by Fox News? I guess so.
1: I don't understand it. Well, it's hard to grasp because I watch, you know, I
2: grasped.
1: I watch CNN, MSNBC. Uh, I go online. I, you know, I get a lot of news, but I do, I do just feel it's always slanted in favor of Republicans. Premium, they own every
2: Yeah, they do. They own every television station. Every is there a left-wing television station in the U.S.?
1: No, the only thing is I is there see a left-wing the radio world... station? There's a free speech radio or free speech TV, which is really lame. That's Uh, what I mean. You can say how great Trump is and make America great.
2: (laughs) You know, make America great again. America's never been great. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good point. They stole this country from the people who lived here. They killed them all. They killed all their food. So they couldn't survive. Then they brought the black people to do all their work. And now they're complaining because they all want something <laughs> like them. They want to have what they have.
1: They they don't want this. Well, John Sinclair, uh, I'm Sorry. in agreement okay. with you on all of that. But I want to ask you about how you've been doing. You uh, uh, fill all of our listeners in because a lot of people know about you from your early days uh, when you were running with the MC5, when you were the uh, starting the the uh, White Panther Party. And then you put on those great events, the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festivals. For many years, you came to the Heartland and performed. Then you went to New Orleans for a while. uh, Tell us about New Orleans. Then you went to Amsterdam. Now you're back in Detroit. What's been happening in your life over that 20 years? It
2: is in (laughs) a (laughs) nutshell. I was in New Orleans for 12 years. I had the best time of my life. I was on the radio there, WWOZ, the best radio station in the world. And I was voted the most popular disc jockey in New Orleans for five years. I don't
1: usually blow my own horn, but I'm very proud of that. No, you should be proud of that. And you can blow your own horn on my show.
2: <laughs> and when I moved there, my kids and all, I brought up four girls. And two of mine and two of my second wives. And when they all got to school, me and my wife moved to New Orleans. We thought, this is our chance, we're free, we can do whatever we want. And I decided at that point, 1991, I was 50 years old, I decided to pursue my chosen area as a poet, a writer, and a disc jockey, and a performer. And so since 91, that's what I've been doing. I wouldn't take any other jobs. Since 2006, when I made 65, I get a stipend from the government every month called SSI, and they pay all my medical bills. So, and I, I have to live in Detroit because I, I'm near the Detroit Medical Center. So, I, was in, I lived in Amsterdam for 15 years, half a year. You can only stay three months at a time without a visa. So, I went back and forth. Now, you could go to England even before Brexit. England wouldn't be part of the,
1: the EU thing. So 15 years I spent doing that. And you won the Cannabis Cup over there. What was that all about?
2: Well, I was brought there initially in 1998 as the high priest of the Cannabis Cup. <laughs> the cannabis Cup was a promotion put on every year, started by a guy named Ed Rosenthal from California. Oh, yeah, I remember Ed. You know Ed? Hero of marijuana. And then uh, taken over by High Times Magazine. And then High Times ran it into the ground. And Amsterdam pretty much threw them out. Uh They raided their last one that the High Times had. They raided it with 1,500 police. Because they were ignoring, you know, Amsterdam's an easy place to get along in, but you got to have good manners, you know. You can't be an American thug, you know, and a money... (laughs) (laughs) So, um, they put them out. Now they have an impromptu gathering every November. See, it's a thing, it's big for the marijuana business community because they say which is the best weed. And when a thing wins in the next year, all the goofy white people consumers, (laughs) they'll buy that particular brand. So that's why it was so important.
1: Yeah. Well, you came back to Detroit now, part of that's medical, but you also, uh, did I see something about you started a new business, like a coffee house or a marijuana I'm, store? I tried to open a coffee shop and
2: it didn't work out, but I'm fixing to open a coffee shop again the first of the year in the north end of Detroit, because well, they don't have any place here for people like us to go to. Well, they I only didn't... Got, They only got
1: coffee houses for squares. I'm really aware yeah. of the situation because you know we the uh, we sold the heartland and they ran it for another nine years, but it's a real gap or a hole in the neighborhood. You know, it used to be one reason we set up, we set up the heartland to yeah, it's been closed uh, since nineteen twenty nineteen. Oh dear. And uh it was uh Close the heartland can't big. It was a great place. A lot of people crossed over, you know, people met each other. It was a place people could go, develop ideas, eat good food. We need places like that. So you Community Center. Your you young people got to open some hip places for everyone to hang out, us old guys. We'll they don't out. know what's hip, though. You got to
2: tell them. <laughs> they don't know who Miles Davis was. <laughs> they call themselves hipsters. They don't know who John Coltrane was. There's no hip without Miles Davis, man, period. He invented hipness.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, for the listeners who, the younger people who don't know, you uh, you got busted with three joints Two way joints. back. Two, Two joints, joints that I gave to an undercover woman, And that end, ended up landing you in jail for three years. Yeah. And, and there was an effort at one point from uh, uh, John Lennon and Yoko uh, there's a movie, but it didn't get shown a lot. Can you shed any light on all that events and your what happened?
2: Well, after I was in prison for two and a half years, we had a huge rally in Ann Arbor at the Chrysler Arena on December 10th of 1971. 15,000 people came to demand my freedom. It was headlined by John and Yoko. Stevie Wonder played Phil Oaks, Archie Shepp, Alan wow. Ginsberg. Bill Oaks,
1: did I say him? He did. One of our favorite. I hung out with him one time. That was a yeah, still...
2: great guy. <laughs> anyway, they got me out of prison. Three days later, I got out. That's
1: really good. And <laughs> we overturned the Michigan-Marijuana laws. Ah, uh, that's good to hear. So what's uh we got a couple of minutes left, I think. What's on your mind most besides the election? Uh what are you are you talking about opening another coffee house? uh that doesn't take much (laughs) thought
2: i thought all the things about that out quite a few years ago it's just finding a place to do it you know without any money that's my main thing is doing things without any money i've done it all my life and i had 81 i'm still trying to do it so seems to work for me unlike most white people they want to have a lot of money i don't want to have any money (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I think I, I think it's time for me to come up and have a little visit with you. We ought to oh, hang great. out together again. That would be great. We had a great time the last time. We, we did, did have a good time last time. Uh, well, you've always been one of my heroes. I uh, I loved uh, your books, your music, your poetry. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that was uh, really great in my life was going as your guest with a bunch of Rising Up Angry members to the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival. Ah, yes. And I do have some footage of... That's uh,
2: my career.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was one of the greatest events ever. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, do you think they'll ever have another Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival? Well, they have them, but they don't know how to get people to come. I thinking was to promote
2: like a rock show. We promoted to rock and roll. Blues lovers and jazz lovers were a very small minority of music lovers at that time. Yeah. But we were, I managed the MC5 and we were involved in the rock and roll field. We know how to promote. Shit. So we promoted the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival like it was a like it was a fleetwood Mac show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So thousands of people came and they loved it. they never heard any of the artists before. They came because it said we are going to have a real good time.
0: <laughs>
2: I was, did have uh, a real good
1: time. And I uh, I confess to being in an altered state a lot of the time. That was uh, part of it. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Well, John, if you got anything else you'd like to add as we close out this edition of the Live from the Heartland show, now is your opportunity.
2: No, that's okay. I could talk forever, <laughs> as you could tell. But it's <laughs> nice seeing you, man. It's a thrill being on your show. I read about it every week in my email box. Well, I'll send
1: you the link. Oh, is there.
2: Now I'm going to be here in the next mail. Like it
1: that. won't be the last time, because you and I are making a vow to live to be around 100 years old. I'm available anytime you want me. We only got 19 <laughs> years to go, and uh, we'll be back in touch. Amen. All right. Power to the people. Uh, I want to uh, say thank you to all of the people who helped make this show possible. We're talking about Josie who uh, Stah- who is the program director at yeah. WW. We're talking about Katie Hogan, who's That's off doing election work. We're talking Lynn Orman Weiss, who brings us great entertainment. We're talking about Tom Clark, Emilio Davis, and hal james our newest engineer and co-producer as well as our guests today marilyn katz John Sinclair, and clem balano do good in the world the world needs all the good that you do that we do that i do that we do together all power to the people check in with you soon over and out (laughs) tell
0: me how you do it